This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Now, wait a minute. Who says there isn't major reconstruction going on here at Cardinals HQ. And I say that rhetorically to a degree. Paul Calvisi, Danny Sarek, Darren Urban, right over your shoulders, right through that window. Have you guys seen what's going on out on that field? (laughs) What's left of the former field? And uh, they brought in the heavy equipment, did they? I haven't seen equipment like that since they were building State Farm Stadium some 15 to 20 years ago. I'm just sad that you're not going to be able to do your rehab right now, Paul. There's a uh, look. Uh, that's not going to prevent me from winning the off season. Okay, that's my game plan. I continue to win the off season. Don't make me get into that. As Danny smirks over there. Do you see the headline that Egypt, uh, Egypt? Speaking of flexing, Egypt has uh, unveiled five new tombs they found south of Cairo. These pharaoh tombs. Okay, the latest in a series of landmark discoveries in the area. Um, you know who else is doing some heavy digging? The Cardinals practice field out there. And there was also an archaeological find, if you will, as our Jim Almohundro pointed out. Darren, take it from there. Uh, as the head groundskeeper, Andy Levy has posted something uh, I think is worth sharing here. Off well, the I mean, uh, as again Jim Almohundro pointed out, uh, it it's, looks like it looks like uh, hash marks, yard marks from old practice fields that were buried deep beneath whatever turf they've already laid down. I mean, it's Over an actual sideline with hash marks on it yeah. from like 30 years ago. Just well, I didn't, I didn't still carbon there. date it, Paul, so I can't be sure exactly well, when it's from. I mean, um, if Egypt can unveil five ancient tombs, then why can't the Cardinals come up with hash marks from 30 years ago? I'm sure. I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> I'm sure it's possible. Three feet deep on the back practice field. So there you go. You know, it's good anecdotal stuff here in the off season. Danny's smiling and, and, and conspicuous by uh, her silence. Well, they do moment. that. They do that at the star, I'm sure. <laughs> Only thing missing is a drone flying around documenting all That's this. Right. That's what we need. And you need to be in a live shot right next to the hash marks from 30 years ago, doing a live shot right there as the drone flies by. There you go. Always thinking of content, Paul. <laughs> That's right. Working it in something on on your. By the way, Darren is back from Florida. Would you? Has he ever looked better? Honestly, Danny. <laughs> No, he is not. He is perfectly sun-kissed. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm tired is what I am. I'm working on about five hours sleep, but that's okay. Well, that's okay. You're nice and tan. You had a little vacation, a, a family wedding. A little we vacation. We missed you. I, I still I still was uh, was uh, putting out the articles here and there. Well, the grind don't stop, Darren. No. You should have pushed it back a week and then put it all on the expense report because the league meetings start. In yes, Florida about a true. week from now. For the first time since 2019, it'll be in person. Yes. Unfortunately, I will not be there. I made the effort that was uh, declined. 
by the powers that be. So okay. we'll go ahead and talk about that here. Okay. Just because we're talking about that doesn't mean we're not loaded like a Danny and Darren expense report from Indianapolis in the combine. Hey. Okay. We got a we got a lot <laughs> to get here. Here. Okay. So uh, by the way, Danny, could I can I make this analogy? Can I say, okay, because uh, I like to say this at the end of the preseason, who's getting a big red rose, okay? Can we say that about free agency? You know, that maybe, just maybe, because once upon a time, wasn't The Bachelor like like a four-week show, then it was an eight-week show, then it was like 12 weeks, then they put it over like six months to finally declare a winner and who's getting the ultimate red rose, right? You guys are looking at me as if I watch The Bachelor, and I'm sorry to disappoint, I do not. Well, actually, I do know that it, it goes on for a long time, I, I feel I, like. I was going to say, it could be one of two things. I could be looking at you thinking you would know the answer, and it would also be like, how the heck does Paul know the <laughs> timeline over years of what The Bachelor did? Uh, well, I have no idea. I happen to have a wife and daughter who will watch it religiously, okay, and I'm like, it. why is this always on? Does it ever take a break? It does not anymore. <laughs> It's back to back to back to back. Actually, if we want an expert, we should call Mel Kuyper, right? Isn't Mel Kuyper an expert on The Bachelor and then Pumpkin Pie? But we'll get to that next month when it's draft time. (laughs) I bring that up just because of the red roses that I think some fans maybe are still waiting to be handed out. There's my segue. That's probably true, Paul. Although we do have a signing as of today, yet – Another outside free agent from the Minnesota Vikings by the name yeah. of Nick Vigil, inside linebacker, not a starter. Everybody wanted to go jump on the tweet about, wait a minute, I thought they were going to start Zayvon Collins. They're going to start Zayvon Collins. They needed an inside backup linebacker uh, and to, to be in the mix with Joe Walker and with Tanner Vallejo and with Ezekiel Turner. Uh, but your inside starting inside linebackers are going to be Zayvon Collins and uh, – and Isaiah Simmons. So, I mean, at this point, you've got you've signed you've signed a backup inside linebacker, and you've signed what looks like, if you look at his contract as of right now, a guy they're thinking is going to be one of their top three cornerbacks in Jeff Gladney, and that's been the extent of the people they've signed at this point. Wait, are you questioning that Jeff Gladney will be a top three corner? You don't think he will? I, I noticed. I'm not. Little... I'm not questioning it. I but I don't know anything. I mean. Wh- they haven't talked about Jeff Gladney, and, and we haven't talked to Jeff Gladney himself. So, I mean, I see Paul likes to go ahead and, and just go straight ahead and make these <laughs> these absolutes when he hasn't, right. you know, I'm just saying we haven't heard anything yet. That's true. So. I, I am guilty of the uh, Denny Green. Crown him. I have already crowned him you a starting corner. Him. You're right. So uh, I guess that is uh, remiss of me. But it is interesting that both those – free agents do come from the Vikings and by the way when you heard Nick Vigil I said wait a minute was that the dude in week two yes he was the guy who picked off Kyler Murray and took it to the house for the pick six so interesting how there's that correlation he had a nice game against the Cardinals in week two and now he is a member of the Arizona Cardinals and former Cardinal Jordan Hicks is now a Minnesota Viking so tie that in there too yeah especially since you figure if since they play the same position there's a good chance the Vikings had no use of Nick to re-sign Nick Vigil if they were getting Jordan Hicks correct Correct. By the way, speaking of the Vikings, there were two pass rushers that I know I had my eye on, and they both stay. Well, they are members of the Vikings now. Daniil Hunter ended up getting that roster bonus he was due last weekend. Yeah, they were thinking about trading him. There was an $18 million roster bonus that was due over the weekend. It led to speculation that – Maybe they might move on without him, but no, he is back. And then they added Zadarius Smith as of the last 24 Who hours. Who had originally agreed to a deal to go back to Baltimore and instead. 
And actually, money that, talks. That was looking like a dubious decision, was it not? But he won. He ended up getting more money over three years well, than he would have gotten over four with the Ravens. I'm going to say if it looked like a dubious de- decision, it probably was only on the outside. My guess is the reason he backed out of the Ravens' decision was because he knew he had something better out there. I don't I don't think you back out just to back out. Maybe. Um, and that's happened a few times already in free agency, guys agreeing to deals and then and then having them bail, uh, which has been very interesting to, to see how that goes. But, yeah, the Smith gets actually one less year but 12 more million dollars. Uh, that's a usually a good combination for a player. Well, and there was speculation, as we know, that once he saw the deal by Chandler Jones and the deal Von Miller got basically over $17 million per year was sort of the going rate for guys who were 32 and 33 years of age, respectively, that maybe, you know, he decided, okay, no, the market is going to bear. And, and either way, whether it was in place or not, he wins, and – it's hard not to notice that the Arizona Cardinals, if you had to assess one need, forget about wants right now. If there is a need, it has to be pass rusher, does it not, Danny? Absolutely. That's that's number one. Um, getting Gladney helps at cornerback. They still obviously need a second wide receiver. I'm not sure that true number two they, they have right now. Um, but pass rusher is huge because right now you have Marcus Golden and that's that's the big name and you need someone else besides that and even though this is a draft class that is expected to have some top pass rushers go early in the draft they're still rookies they're still you know that, that adjustment period that has to happen and so of course you're going to start looking around the market and see what veterans are available still in free agency and start wondering the moves but I think you also have to remember Cardinals are coming off some some trades and free agency signing some big names. J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins over the years. They just re-signed Zach Ertz. I mean, not every year you're going to have these big splash signings in the beginning of free agency, and that doesn't mean that this front office is not making efforts or they're done making moves or that they're not going to find a good player to add to this roster. I think it's just when fans are seeing – how crazy free agency around the league has been so far this year. Of course, you're going to be like, I want some of that. I want some of that excitement. That's just how it's panned out so far this year. You're right. I I feel like there's a a diving analogy here somewhere that because the last two off seasons, Steve Kime basically was like Ron Burgundy and anchorman, you know, the whole uh, cannonball, right? That whole thing, right? And made the big splash. And that is yet to happen this off season. Doesn't figure to happen that uh, you know, fans, their expectations were such. But look, there's also the grim reality that Jordan Phillips did not work out. And so, okay, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, good. Jordan Phillips, not so good. And you basically paid him 17 or 18 million guaranteed for 17 or 18 games played. And there's a big cap hit that he leaves behind. So, you know, if and if you look historically at a lot of the big names for the big dollars at the front of free agency, the return on investment is about 50-50 if you look historically. So if you're proceeding with caution in some of these areas and you also rely on a track record of some time time signings later in free agency where you find value, you're like, oh, I don't know, a James Conner from a year ago, then okay, but... The problem is just supply and demand when it comes to edge rusher. What is out there? 
Is it realistic to think if you choose to go that direction in the draft, is that guy going to be plug and play based on the last couple of years where you went defense in round one? And there was obviously a learning curve in year one. So at some point, it's got to be somebody. Right, Darren? Well, yeah. I mean, I think the the thing is, if you're talking about edge, rush, uh, edge rusher in particular, yes. I mean, look, the the market was high. I mean, Chandler Jones got seventeen million dollars a year. Von Miller got a giant contract. I mean, these guys are on the ro- on the wrong side of thirty. Um, Zadarius Smith just got paid, as we were talking about. I mean, it's you're not you're not going to find you're you're going to have to pay a, a a premium to get a premium guy in that position or almost premium. I mean, I, I think if the Cardinals felt like Chandler Jones was worth still $17 million a year for three years, he would have gotten his extension. And obviously I don't think they felt that. So, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's always these decisions that have to be made when you start talking about, okay, if we don't have him back, what does that mean? Are, you know, are we more comfortable with paying $50 million for three years of Chandler Jones, knowing that he might be slowing down and he might not give us that kind of bang for our buck or not having him at all and take the risk of filling in for somebody. I mean, cause that's the thing. It's like, okay, if we pay, we're paying Chandler Jones, let's say we paid Chandler Jones $17 million this year and he only gave us eight sacks, which is less than you'd want. And I, you know, it was eight to 10 sacks. But if you pay, you get a lot cheaper, you pay $4 million, but the guy you get only gives you four sacks. Right. And less pressures. I mean, those are the things you're having to to deal with right now. The unknown, the undefined part of that would be, okay, but wait a minute. Is Chandler Jones a guy drawing a double team every snap? Is, you know, is the offense allocating an inordinate amount of protection to Chandler's side, thereby freeing up other guys and other rush lanes? You know, that's the unknown in that equation. It's about much more than just sacks. Sure. Like 2020. We're in New York. Stadium's empty. Remember this? The Jets game. I was there. Down goes Chandler Jones. What looked like an innocuous injury really came to the sideline. He's holding his arm. Never came back. Missed the rest of the year with a torn bicep, right? It was a torn bicep. Yeah. Cardinals still ended up top 10 in sacks that year, if not top five. I mean, they were one. They were in the top tier of the I NFL. They were sixth. Six, okay. Yeah, I think so. All right, so. Do you think that perhaps the decision makers are going back to 2020 and saying, you know what, Vance Joseph still generated a heck of a pass rush. Now, albeit, hello, you, and you're nodding because there were two guys who were very productive. One is no longer here in Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick. just got paid a lot of money yeah. to go back to Philadelphia. And then there was a guy who was very productive who suffered a season-ending injury in that Philadelphia game at the end of 2020, and that was? Dennis Kardick. So – that would be the difference because I've had people come up to me and say, well, wait a minute. They did it without Chandler in 2020. What about 2022? And those are the two guys that really stick out. You had a guy who has now proven over a couple years that he's a pretty good pass rusher. He's, I don't think he's Chandler Jones, but Hassan Reddick obviously showed he could do it, and he just hadn't had that opportunity. And Dennis Gardick might have caught lightning in a bottle. I remember talking to Dennis last offseason as he was coming back and talking about the sacks, and even he kind of admitted – you know, I don't, I don't know if that's something I'm going to be doing all the time. Right. 
and uh, you know, seven sacks and whatever. I mean, he had a ridiculously high sack. I think he had 93 defensive snaps yes. and seven seven sacks. sacks. And he had like ten quarterback hits. Yeah, I mean uh, the, he, he the numbers a, are ridiculous. And even he said to the media last week, because I asked him about 2020 and that sort of production, and and even he paused and said, you know, I know everyone's wondering, is it a fluke? I asked myself the same thing. Were the offensive tackles maybe thinking they were getting a playoff when I was in there because I was an unknown? And he, he admitted that's a question he has to a- answer this year. Yeah. And, and and if he can, that's great. But let's say Dennis Garda can get back to that seven or eight sacks. Okay. You still, I mean, what, how many does Hassan have that year? Twelve? Yeah, twelve and a half, I think, somewhere around there. And who's that guy? I mean, if Marcus Golden is Marcus Golden, so you're figuring ten sacks. And Dennis Gardeck even can give you seven or eight sacks. I mean, is J.J. Watt healthy enough to do it? J.J. Watt only had the one sack before he went down. And, and again, like Danny was saying, it's like, you know, there are supposed to be some pass rushers in this draft, but how – the, the guys who make the immediate impact are going to be gone by pick five. So you're not getting that guy. You're picking at 23. You know, and that's the other thing is it's funny. Sometimes everybody wants to talk about this team like it was – four and 13 and they weren't they were 11 and 6 they're drafting 23rd they're not they don't have any premium draft spots and by the way if you're thinking receiver at 23 guess who's now picking right in front of you the green bay packers after that trade with the las vegas raiders and what do the packers need more than anything right now a young dynamic receiver that might go at 22 so if If you're if you're if you're uh scantling i mean Aren't those the two places you're you're looking the hardest at? I don't know if either team. I'm assuming the Packers wouldn't mind having him back. I don't know if the Cardinals are looking at him or not. Let's say he's a free agent, right? He's a free agent. I mean, he could be number one back in a place that he knows and a, and a quarterback that likes him. Or he could be a number two to DeAndre Hopkins here, and I would I would assume that he'd rather be a number one. However, and again, this is me completely speculating at this point. If the Packers want you to be a number one, and the reason it's taking so long is because they haven't wowed you in with a contract offer, and they're saying, we're going to pay you like a number two, but we want you to be our number one. Maybe he doesn't want to go there. But to me, those are the two best, two great options for him right now. I would love for the Cardinals to potentially go after him. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying they will. I don't know if they're going to. Uh, I'm probably going to cause a ruckus with a soundbite. You always cause a ruckus, yeah, so, so don't worry about that. Thanks, well, Danny. I do think they're it's a pair. There are a pair of needs at this point in free agency, and there are a pair of wants. The needs are edge rusher and number two receiver. Yeah. The wants are corner and guard to me. Those are the two. And, and that's how I would prioritize if I was in there, you know, pulling the trigger right now, which I'm most definitely not. There's one place my key card does not get me, and that is the war room. We know that. No, I would agree. I, I would think wide receiver, it would go pass rusher, wide receiver, guard for me right now. And then I think if you have to keep going down, maybe interior defensive lineman. Sure. I think would probably be, but but that to me, I, I think it's wide receiver and guard. If, if Gladney's going to be that big cornerback move besides maybe a draft pick or something along those, those lines or later on maybe in training camp, then – I would say wide receiver and then guard because that that's where you need the help, at least on offense, because you have your running back and James Conner, and you're going to assume Eno Benjamin's going to make a push for 
number two again, unless something happens later. See, that's that's a fan, that's a a, a fascinating uh, topic for me. The running back itself. I mean, we're talking about a running back who uh, he was fairly healthy last year, but he wasn't a hundred percent healthy. Chase Edmonds has been. I mean, this is a team that has seen injuries over and over to running backs. I it's a little. I, I wouldn't be completely surprised. I'm not saying they're going to spend a whole lot of money or anything, but I wouldn't be completely surprised if they still bring in another back that ends up being a part of the rotation, whether it's a draft pick or, or a guy, just a guy. Right, because James Conner shared those reps with Chase Edmonds, who's not here. So now you have to wonder, is the plan for them to find, like you were saying, another guy, another running back for James to kind of split those reps with, or is it going to be a different shift and James Conner is going to be your number one, like a true number one, and you're just looking for someone to supplement and give him a, a break? I think I think Conner is going to get a lot of the work, but I also think that you better cover your butt in terms of if he gets hurt. I mean, that's that, – I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what they're going to do in terms of if he's going to get almost all the work a la Kenyon Drake from 2019 uh, or if it's going to be – more split like early in the season when both him and Chase were healthy. But even if it's him being the main guy, you know, are you are you prepared to go with Eno as your main guy as it stands right now if if James gets hurt? And I think that's something you have to – and now we're getting way off topic because running back was not something you're but, – but again, it goes back to the needs and wants. It's like there's always something. We can sit here and say the running back position is quote-unquote set because they re-signed James Conner, but is it? And that's the thing that you always have with all these things. Cornerback, it's great that they have Gladney, but they I think they absolutely need at least one more person, and maybe that's Robert Alford on the minimum. I don't know. And in the studio last week, we did an interview with James Conner, and he talked up Jonathan Ward as well. Now, Jonathan Ward, we didn't get – he didn't have the ability to take a lot of carries – the last two months of the year he's dealing with that pretty severe concussion yeah. that he suffered on special teams on kick cover and so I am curious considering the injury situation about James Conner and Chase towards the end of last year and Eno saw reps because of that uh, what would have been this situation with Jonathan Ward would you know and what do they think internally of a Jonathan Ward we don't know all I do know is I know there was some blowback initially when the Cardinals re-signed James Conner for three years 21 million it was 13.5, fully guaranteed. Uh, well, Leonard Fournette's deal was almost identical. Leonard Fournette's deal was three years, 21 million, max of 24 because James Conner's deal can grow to 25 and a half uh, at max value. And and the difference is James Conner's cap number this year is only four million dollars. So I still think it was pretty well bought. I really do, James Conner, and considering he was their number one priority from all accounts. Um, I don't think in today's NFL that's too much to pay for a dynamic Pro Bowl running back who can catch out of the backfield as well, who sets that tone physically for your team is sort of the beating heart of the offense in a lot of ways. Um, but It's, I, it's yeah. funny because James Conner is a he's, – he's – And by the way, Rashad Penny got – over five million, like six and a half million, guaranteed on a one-year deal with Seattle. Yeah, but that's one year, and they've got more money. And here's the but thing: he's totally unproven, Rashad Penny. I guess is my I point. I don't know. He looked pretty good the last once. Once he was healthy, he looked pretty good. Yeah, um, especially four, against this team. He was four years in the league, and he gave you two months, maybe. And that's true, but he's only getting a one-year deal. I guess ultimately, James Conner is the ultimate analytics versus eye test kind of guy. Like I'm listening to you 
talk about him, and I agree. I mean, I think he's important in the locker room. I think he gives you toughness and everything. Analytics, NFL analytics, those that that area, they they're not a fan of James Conner. They he produces uh, fewer yards per carry than expected uh, a lot of the time, and uh, it's just that's not the kind of player that that area usually rewards. And I think that's where a lot of the people talking about his salary come in. I mean, doesn't he rate real high though in yards after contact? Yards after initial contact and James Conner rate real high. I'd have to look at that. I don't. Hence his value on short yardage and red zone. I don't remember. I mean, I only saw the expected yards yeah. type stuff, and 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 you know, can he repeat that kind of? Is he going to score that many touchdowns? Is that repeatable? Right. Well, and uh, this goes back to the beginning of it might not seem like a big splash signing because they were on the team already or before, but yeah. James Conner and Zach Ertz, those are still two big signings because when everybody else was a, a pending free agent, they would not have had anybody in the room signing Zach Ertz and then later Max Williams as well. Like Those are still big signings for two players who were productive last year and, and not even playing a full season, but in the games they played and reliable and Kyler Murray liked playing with them. So even though it might not seem like a huge, crazy signing, Zach Ertz and James Conner were, were still two very important free agent signings for this team. Speaking of Kyler, Colt McCoy did a press conference this week uh, after he got his two-year deal done. Uh, any takeaways from that, guys, after listening to uh, Colt McCoy? and just You know what stood out to me was just the fit with Cliff Kingsbury, how many times he cited that he sees offense the same way Kingsbury sees offense and the tool, you know, and, and to me just watching him and then knowing what we've known in the past with a Kurt Warner and a Carson Palmer and some of the other veteran guys are really de facto offensive coordinators in a lot of ways. When you have almost 15 years in a league and you know all the defensive coordinators and the schemes and they're so valuable, so much more valuable, I think, than we'll ever realize behind the scenes in the meeting rooms, trying to generate the weekly game plans and then the tutelage of – of Kyler Murray and then the respect that he inherently has from Kyler just because he was a four-year starter for the Longhorns and Kyler grew up watching him. Yeah, Colt had a lot of really interesting things to say. He had a lot of praise for Kyler and how after only three years in the league, his arrow is just pointing straight up and how his work ethic, Kyler's work ethic sets the tone for the rest of this team in the locker room and working on and off the field and that everybody has the same goals. And Colt was talking about how you know, they obviously didn't end the season the way they wanted to. And he's been in contact with Kyler Murray throughout the offseason on what they want to be working on. Colt had praises for Cam Turner, the quarterback's coach. He just seemed he kept using the word thankful, thankful about being back in Arizona with this staff and with Kyler Murray and having more of that stability with his family. I thought it was interesting. It stood out to me. He is one and oh as his daughter soccer coach. And he said he needs to learn the rules because they didn't have soccer where he grew up and that he is teaching them, what was it, attitude and effort. Wait a minute, where did he grow up? That's what, he, that's what he said. And I'm like, like I don't know some, what that means. I mean. He just says he has to, maybe he just didn't play. The, he grew up on football. That's the world's game right I would there. imagine until he probably no. just grew up on football. I think every 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 person that played on their, his high school's soccer team is pissed off at him right now. <laughs> he grew up in the absolute heart of Friday Night Lights country. That's yeah, where yeah. he grew up. There's so. still soccer yeah, there. I know. He's, he's like a real-life Ted Lasso. <laughs> Honestly, he doesn't even know the rules, but it's all about attitude and effort. He's just out there exactly. coaching, coaching his tail off. That's the question I wanted to ask. I didn't have the guts to ask it. And by the way, he didn't answer the question I did ask about – 
the latter part of last season and what exactly his diagnosis was as to what went wrong. He ducked that. So you're nodding. He ducked he that. He did. He just and, – and it's what we heard really all season last yeah. year at that time was if there were only one thing, we would change it. And it was just it's more than one thing we're working through. And that's kind, kind of what he gave you, Paul. Yeah, that's, that is what he gave you. Yeah, I'm it's, ready to reenact. Something. I'm ready to reenact Tom Cruise. First of all, you, you just know, said. I want the answers. No, I want the, I want the truth. You, uh, you, you just said he was 15 years in the league. He's not a dumb cookie. <laughs> something tells me something yeah. tells me they know exactly what happened and it, it's probably it, it probably is a number of things but it's probably a main couple of things that nobody's gonna say so that's fine okay so let's go there oh it, so you want us to blow everything up no is that why there has been a slower than expected pace to free agency because the fix isn't necessarily out on the open market the fix isn't in bringing in new expensive players the fix is within you maybe not personnel right the change is within you empowering yourself i feel like one of these motivational speakers right sound like one too maybe they've identified something internally that is the biggest adjustment from one season to the next that winning the off season isn't about signing on the line that is dotted and spending frivolously in free agency and jacking up your cap for years to come. No, we've identified what's wrong. We know what's wrong. You're on a need-to-know basis when it comes to what's wrong. But just wait because change and answers will be implemented by September. I mean, that's a really interesting perspective on that and looking at the amount of players they have re-signed in Dennis Gardeck and you know Michael Dogby and these other players that were free agents. The only thing is... Even if that was your thought process at the start of free agency, how true is that now that you no longer have your top pass rusher and you no longer have a second true number two wide receiver and you don't really have a right guard at the moment? So while I'm not saying that perspective is wrong or it doesn't, you know, couldn't be the reason, (laughs) my, my only issue is even if that's what you thought, that's no longer where you really find yourself in the moment. I would agree with that. And I'm sorry to be a downer. Oh, gosh, if Darren's agreeing and doesn't really have anything else to add, that means I was a real downer about it. I just just feel like, you know, it's good to be able to say we have some things that we can fix and that alone will make some things better. But you still have to have the players to execute it. And if you were the 2021 Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you were bringing everybody back, then maybe you can make that argument. But the problem right now is they do have holes. And there isn't right now a a path, at least that we can see outwardly, to fill those holes. You know, again, we still have lots of time for players out there to sign. And you still have uh, the draft. The thing about players that sign now, for the most part, is they're out there still for a reason. People aren't clamoring for them. And you're not, they're asking for more money than you think they're worth. And... And that those are those reasons. And there aren't there are in some intriguing players out there still that are unsigned that would make some sense. But are you going to be able to get them or, or and the, maybe they make sense to us and then they've all done their due diligence upstairs. And they're like, yeah, that it's like the MVS thing that I was talking about earlier. A receiver, you know, maybe they take a look at him like, yeah, he doesn't fit what we want to do at all because of A, B and C. Then they're not, you well, know, and, you don't know. And I have 
read some scouting reports on Marquez Valdez Scanling that said he's kind of a one-trick pony. He's that nine-route guy. He's got size, but he doesn't really have the route tree, and you know it can be a little predictable. And and because of that, DBs don't necessarily have to respect a lot of different routes and moves, and they're just basically see, looking for sense, the over-the-top stuff. But but at this point, if you have Hopkins and you have Rondell Moore and you have Zach Ertz. Maybe all you need is a guy going deep and say, all right, if they're going to have you one-on-one, you better win the ball up there. And I don't know. You you just got back from Jacksonville, right, Darren? I did. Beautiful okay. St. Augustine, Florida. Right. Here's Bucky Brooks. I, I cut and paste this little blurb. He's talking about Doug Peterson and what Doug Peterson is going to bring to the Jaguars. And obviously they spent all that money on receivers, including Christian Kirk. And he cited, and I quote, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, and Zach Ertz positioning key roles on the perimeter. Think about that, dot, dot, dot. I just bring that up because, you know, you have DeAndre Hopkins. You have a Rondell Moore, who you hope takes that next step. We'll see in what sort of role. Can you add a couple of guys, just a couple of guys, and throw them out there and then scheme it up because you have Kyler Murray. And that pairs with free agency. There's only so many top pass rushers or very top wide receivers or whatever position you're looking for that are available. So it's exciting when your team gets one of those, but it's unrealistic to think that's going to happen every year. And when you're looking at this offense and you have Kyler Murray and you have D hop and you have Zach Ertz, I mean, that, that alone is you're just going to, at some point when you get down to it, the positions you're going to have to have players that are not the top tier in their position group, but they might be a right fit for the scheme and it's just about being a role player and just playing your part and having all of those pieces work out well together. Well, here's Wolf on the Big Red Rage. Hit me over the head with this one. This is on the verge of them signing James Conner and Zach Ertz and then Max Williams. He said, well, what does that tell you? Paulie Pencilneck, what does that tell you? And I said, they're going to run a lot more 12 personnel. Ding! Look at why they went 7-0. and Look at why they went 10-2. and What were they doing over that stretch? They were a physical, balanced offense. And when they had, especially when they had Max Williams, man, were they running the ball in a physical straight-ahead fashion, keeping defenses honest because he was also effective in the passing game going down the seams. Now you have two tight ends. Obviously, Zach Ertz is more of a receiver first sort of tight end. But with those two guys in the full, plus a DeAndre Hopkins and a James Conner, there's the core of your offense. You can sprinkle in talent around those guys. If Rondell Moore is able to keep a defense honest, either over the top or laterally, great. Like, for instance, I had my eye on a Jamison Crowder who just signed with the Bills. I think it was one year, $4 million. I'm like, man, that would have been that would have been feasible. That would have been doable, bringing a Jamison Crowder as a slot guy that you could you know, plug in. So whether there's still that sort of signing to come, whether you're going to get a receiver in the first two rounds, it's a pretty deep class. And that guy's gonna, you know, eventually be part of your offense. Maybe, maybe the hesitation or or the lack of a veteran receiver signed is a tell. Maybe it's foreshadowing what sort of offense this is gonna be and who it's going to feature this coming season, which I thought was a plausible point. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to judge that until after I see what the roster looks like. I mean, you're I to me that's making the assumption that this is you're not adding any more key pieces meaning you need to see the second wave of free agency. i need to see the second wave of free agency i don't need to see the draft i i know i know especially you paul uh believe that the rookies are 
worthless and can't play right away. But no. I, I want to... <laughs> okay, maybe that's a little hyperbole. But and, and see, now people are going to start hitting me over the head with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and all that. And I get it. I get it. But those guys are like unicorns. They have been the exception. And you're not going to get to your point, Aaron, your very own point. I'm throwing it right back at you. What are the odds you get that guy at 23? Well, uh, very, very possible that it doesn't happen that way. But I, I would also quibble with the term unicorns because unicorn would be one. And you just mentioned two in one breath. So then they're not that. Ouch. Ouch. But anyways. I thought uh, coming off vacation you wouldn't be such a stickler. Dude, I thought I'm, wrong. No, that's because he's wrong. been gone. I'm he has all this pent up. Yeah, I see. Okay. I, I really need more sleep is what I need right now. I'm, I'm struggling right now. <laughs> I feel like Wolf back in the day. Um, I, I will say that I, I agree that they need – I think they need another receiver out there. I do think there's a chance that they could be a little bit more physical. But, again, one of the things I'm hung up on right now and and – you know, you got one of those two guys that you just got through what Wolf is saying, I guess, is we're 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 going to build our offense around is coming off an ACL tear and hasn't even been on the field to do anything yet. How about we wait to see if he's even capable of doing anything before we say we're going to overhaul the offense? I don't know. The, the Niners are part. trying to trade Jimmy IR, er, Jimmy G, and he just had shoulder surgery like three weeks ago, and they want two first-round picks. Yeah, I mean, they might have missed their window on that I one, mean, the quarterback if, thing. If they, can, if they can want the world for Jimmy G, then we can pencil in Max Williams in September, Darren. I, but I, I also I'm, think I'm feeling you, the, though. the way you look at and look every person, every injury, every rehab, I understand is different, but I think too, when you look at the timeline of what, what is generally realistic in a rehab schedule, I don't think it is outrageous for Paul. I'm going to defend you to assume that Max Williams will be ready to go. And the beginning of the season. I, I'm, I, I see what you're saying. Time-wise, you're right. But everyone is different. I, I understand I'm, that. I'm I just, ahead. I don't I'm have a, wait. But I don't have a problem with the signing is what I'm saying. Oh, I don't have a problem with the yeah. signing, especially for what they got from what I'm just saying. Before you start assuming that you can build your offense around these two tight ends, you got to make sure you have the two tight ends. And look, I am trying to be realistic. For example, I did not pencil in Dennis Gardak in September last year because he suffered that ACL in week 15. Yeah. Max Williams was week five. That's true. So th that's the only thing I'm saying. But but you're right. If he doesn't play a lot in August, if at all, I, I wouldn't be shocked because of that. And they'll probably be super cautious. But um, I'm just saying – when somebody, what's the old line, you know, from I think it was Bill Parcells back in the day, when a player shows you who they are, yeah. believe them. Yeah. So if we're trying to read what the Cardinals are going to be about in 2022, maybe we need to believe it, what we're seeing. That's all. Now, there might be this whole flurry of signings in the second wave once prices come down and a lot of these players get a reality check and, and their agents do. Uh, that's quite possible and feasible. Sure, no doubt about it. But – if this is going to be the gist of your offseason free agent initiative, then I think it is telling as to what you envision yourself as. And once again, I get back to the million-dollar question. What did the Cardinals determine and diagnose based on losing five out of the last six? What internally did they say, okay, guess what? Here's what we just learned the hard way. Fill in the blank. And whatever that is, perhaps it's, we're going to come off the ball in a more physical fashion, and we're going to go back to what we did in that big week four win against the Rams where we absolutely jack-stomped L.A., 40 rushes for 216 rushing yards as a team. I don't know. I think it's a legitimate question to consider, though, I guess is my point. 
We'll see if one day someone answers you with that one thing. <laughs> That's right. Just I'm keep gonna, keep hounding them, Paul. I'm going to keep asking the question at every stinking Zoom press conference <laughs> and, and see if anybody bites on it whatsoever. You're right. It's uh, But look, um, then again, the other thing that Cole McCoy brought up, by the way, was the schedule. And, yes. And, and when Deshaun Watson, this time last week, was poised to either go to the Falcons or the Saints – I mean, did you not swallow hard looking at the Cardinals' schedule for next year? Deshaun Watson and that whole insanity of him getting $230 million guaranteed, $80 more guaranteed million dollars than any other players got in league history, all that, and him going to the Browns, at least it means he won't be facing the Cardinals this year. Because otherwise, look at the Cardinals' schedule. And once again, Cole McCoy brought this up. How can you not look at the Cardinals' schedule and say, wow, I mean – I've got the last place Seahawks down for a couple of wins. I've got the floundering Falcons down they for a W. Until they trade for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Or maybe they go after Malik Willis, who just threw himself a, you know, 80-yard pass in his pro day that wow, made all that rounds. Wow, that was amazing. An 80-yard pass yeah. with no defense. On okay. air. You know, hey, it worked for Josh Allen once upon a time. Got him drafted in the, in the top Zach ten. Zach Wilson did it last year, yep, too. That's true. So, um, But, I mean, you look at this schedule, and, and I mean – you picked the wrong year to play the AFC West, did you not? And that's the entire NFC West. If you told me right now the division winner of the NFC West had 10 wins, I would not be shocked, just based on what the caliber of the competition that the entire Cardinals division has to play this year and the other teams they have to go against. In fact, I'll say this as well. For a division that had both of its teams in the NFC championship game, Whoever comes out as a division champion of the NFC West in 2022 is going to be playoff ready, bub. I mean, no doubt. All right, you got the. Do you have the opponents there? I have the opponents right here. Well, let's go over the. Well, let's hear the quarterbacks. So, so where do they got to go against? So here we go. Here's the home schedule. Okay, mm-hmm. here's the home uh, non-conference schedule. Well, first of all, you have the 49ers. Is it going to be Trey Lance yes. for the second straight year? Yes. Okay. Uh, Seahawks. Who knows? It could be Baker Mayfield. It could be Malik Willis. Drew Locke. <laughs> Why are you laughing? The He's mi- their quarterback oh, right now. I'm just laughing. I forgot about the, uh, <laughs> the, the the default setting that is the alma mater of Mizzou. Uh, Rams, Matthew Stafford just got a honking huge extension. Yeah. We'll get into that and implications for Kyler. Uh, guess who's coming to town? Tommy. The Buccaneers are coming with Tom Brady. You should you should sprinkle into his ear, hey, San Francisco. San Francisco. Oh, I don't have to do that. Believe me. It's, it's echoing in his mind at this very moment. I'm sure it is. Uh, why do you think the Buccaneers are asking for an absolute? If you want to buy season tickets for 22, you also have to buy season tickets for 23 because they know <laughs> they know where he's going. Uh, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, everybody, come into State Farm Stadium. The Chargers and Justin Herbert come into State Farm Stadium. The playoff Eagles, right, and Jalen Hurts coming to State Farm Stadium. And then the 10-win Patriots are coming to town. And Bill Belichick, and and then you also have the Saints with Jameis Winston. That's your home schedule. Now on the road, you get the Niners, the Seahawks, the Rams. You get the Falcons, as mentioned. Falcon- Marcus Mariota. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, look, any sort of griping and grousing about your team's offseason, how care you are, does not compare to the disaster that is the Atlanta Falcons offseason. You're going to take a tight end in Kyle Pitts, and then the next year. I mean. I mean, talk, talk about putting the L into ATL. 
I mean, Falcons, what are you doing? Taking the $40 million dead money cap hit, getting only a third-round pick in return, and then giving – Because they weren't going to win anything, and it's time to just clear the books and lose out. And then give a big money deal to Marcus Mariota, well, who's a career backup. Big okay. money. Uh, the Panthers, you're going to Carolina if you're the Cardinals. Sam Darnold. Here's the thing, though. Here's the problem. You've lost six in a row to Carolina. But the last one last year was not Darnold. That no. was Cam Newton. And P.J. Walker. You're right. Cam and Newton. Colt McCoy. And yes. Colt McCoy, yeah. The bigger problem was there. That was one of those two or three games where the Cardinals didn't show up. Yeah, they they showed up with no pulse. Yeah. Detroit, Carolina. Uh, guess what? You're going to Denver, Russell Wilson. You're going to Las Vegas. You're getting Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby. Chandler. That is scary. And you're going to Minnesota, which has reloaded with a pair of dynamic pass rushers now, Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. You want to know about Daniil Hunter? Go ask DJ Humphreys, and he'll tell you how good that guy is. And then Kirk Cousins, who took the Cardinals, obviously, down to the wire in week two last year. So it is a heck of a schedule. And when Cole McCoy brought it up, it's something we were talking about on the Big Red Rage. Yeah, I mean, if, if you really step back and you look at it, now it's going to be fun. I mean, there's every game just about is going to be – well, you fun know, big for time. you as a announcer talking sure. about it down there. Yeah, yeah. I think the AFC West has taken the title so far without the season starting. I will say, oh, no, just it's not even close. <laughs> no, no, has no, taken no. it from the NFC West as, as toughest soon as Russell division. Wilson got traded. That was the that was the change. I mean, right now you've got you've got half of the half the NFC West has giant question marks at quarterback, and you know I don't think that. I mean, if Derek Carr is your worst quarterback in your division, they they clearly have a much better group right now. In fact, I only half-joked on Twitter, at Paul Calvisi, that the AFC West needs its own media rights deal. They need to split off and get their own channel, like the SEC Network. What do you think about that, Danny? I'd be down for that. Sure. (laughs) That's what they should just do, like Hard Knocks. It's just AFC West. You know, just don't leave us to be the host of that channel. Okay, Danny? You know, because, you know. Once again, Mahomes. Since, since you asked nicely, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad the Cardinals are not in the AFC right now. That is not the place to be the next couple of years. In fact, other than the Rams, okay, we'll just go ahead. We'll, we'll leave the Rams in as the you know the defending Super Bowl champions. Okay, who's the next team to beat in the NFC? Is it automatically Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? Are you going with Dallas? Are you going with the Cardinals to start at ten and two? I mean, where what is your power pole here? In mid-March for the NFC, Darren, go. Uh, I mean, for the NFC, I, I think the, until the Rams, the Rams are the defending champs, and I think they deserve to be in that conversation. I think as long as, and I know it doesn't work in the playoffs necessarily, but as long as Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Packers, I think they have a chance to be a good team. Uh, I, I kind of forgot Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. You're right. And and I and I do think the Buc- the Bucks have some issues in terms of injuries right now. Uh, and as great as Tom Brady is, again, the issue you have with somebody at that age is at some point it's going to fall apart for him. Is it going to be Peyton Manning where I think the the last year he played in 2015 when they won the, the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning was pretty good the first two, three games, and then he just fell off a cliff. Could it happen during a season? Now, maybe it won't happen for Tom Brady. I don't know. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger lost it at some point. It's gonna go, so you you know you just you don't know about that. I guess which could be the same for Aaron Rodgers, but 
I mean, I, I think the 49ers have a really good team, but they have such a gigantic question of quarterback. I, I'm not convinced he, that he's going to be able to step in and do even what Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo did. By yeah, I, I think Green Bay for sure is on that list. Um, I would put them above Tampa. You mentioned Dallas. Uh, from the moves they've made, I, I don't know that Dallas has necessarily gotten any more dangerous than they were last year with some of their losses in free agency. So I don't know that as of right now, they would be at the top of my list. And once again, getting back to the, to the divisions, I mean, the Buccaneers are going to cruise through the NFC South. Not an absolute cakewalk. Dallas in the NFC East? Come you on. never know. That, that's, a, that's a dumpster fire every year. I mean, Philly might give them a run, maybe. Uh, you know, Washington already has buyer's remorse, how much they went and, and spent to get Carson Wentz. Uh, and then you have Green Bay coming out of the NFC North. I mean, you know, what the Vikings, okay. We'll see what the Vikings are all about. But you still have the Lions and, and a young quarterback with Justin Fields and a new coaching staff again with the Bears. So, once again, the division champion of the NFC West, you can't tell me, isn't going to be more playoff ready in 2022 than any other division in the NFC. I think that's a fair fair statement to make at this point in the yeah. year, absolutely. Yeah. Just like the Niners and the Rams represented the NFC West in the NFC championship game. So that was a little blurb on the schedule I thought was worth noting over there. Now, speaking of quarterbacks and speaking of the Niners, Niner fans are up in arms right now because they feel like John Lynch waited too long on Jimmy G, was trying to get too much, and now he's going to get jacked to the squat. Then maybe the Browns are in the same situation with Baker Mayfield. All funny when you leak that we want an adult at quarterback, how it might devalue the quarterback. Now you're trying to move him on the open market, and you're not getting maybe as much in return as you thought. So we'll see exactly what the Browns get for Baker Mayfield. Both of the problem that are both of those situations is is if I'm a team right now, why why would I give up anything? And more importantly, why would I give up anything to pay Baker Mayfield $18 million or pay Jimmy Garoppolo $24 million? Why would you do that? Nobody's nobody's trading unless they want him as a backup. And you know that Baker and Jimmy Garoppolo want to go places where they can start. There's only so many of those places. I'm, I'm not – why would you give up anything? I mean, honestly, in hindsight, the fact the Arizona Cardinals got a second-round pick for Josh Rosen – after they already had stunning. Kyler Murray? Stunning. Stunning. And maybe the only reason was because he was still on a rookie contract. Maybe, just maybe. And they had already paid the signing bonus, right, Yeah. of $10 million. So the price was right in terms of dollars and the cap hit. But like, but the fact they got a two for Josh Rosen, crazy. he won't be in the league this year. The Baker Mayfield apparently doesn't want to play for the Panthers, and apparently the Panthers don't want him. So what are we talking about for Baker Mayfield? We're talking – Houston, who could have asked for him to be included in the trade and wasn't, or what, Seattle? Like, if I'm Pittsburgh? Seattle, Pittsburgh. I guess, oh, Pittsburgh. Can you imagine Baker Mayfield in Pittsburgh? Oh, my God. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Can I, this, okay, now, I might take a beating on this one. $18 million on Baker Mayfield, okay, we can debate that. But Baker Mayfield, when the world is against him, has delivered in his career. He thrives off the haters? Loves it. Loves to be doubted, right? He's the ultimate underdog. He's the non-scholarship guy who went and played for Cliff Kingsbury, correct? And then transferred, obviously, to Oklahoma against all those marquee recruits, including Kyler Murray. And he stayed an extra year and beat out Kyler and then ended up winning the Heisman. And he's the number one pick in the draft. If there's one guy on a one-year deal that I might just roll the dice on, 
to see what he gives you because when he's really locked in and it's him against the world, I mean, Baker Mayfield has played some pretty good ball in those situations. Okay, but again, I'm, I'm this is incredibly uh, barren of any emotion and or player feelings and or humanity. Um, <laughs> but the following comment lacks any humanity whatsoever. What, Bring why? It. Why would you pay him eighteen million dollars for that? He he'll he'll still have to do that because he's got to play for a new contract. Try and get him for eight. How how much how much of the the problems people have with Baker as a player are from him person like who he is as a player, and how much do we think those problems stem from just being in Cleveland? Well, he had a lot of talent around him in Cleveland, right? Look what they did in the two thousand twenty playoffs. Definitely in the last the year problem, or two. The problem was is he was hurt. A lot of this year was trying to play through it. It wasn't a good situation. Obviously, the Beckham stuff blew up, um, and that's hard, yep. you know, and that's hard. Yeah, He was holding on to the ball too long. Remember, that was a game Chandler missed. And remember his comment after the game was, oh, man, when I saw how long Baker Mayfield was holding on to the ball, I could have had another five-sack game. And he just – that was the one game that Chandler missed that he, he just wished – he would have been out there. But even in that game, and, and look, the fans were booing him. It was an ugly scene in Cleveland. I, I get it. But remember, he launched that ball right before halftime. Mm -hmm. It was the Hail Mary. And even Vance Joseph said after the game, I did not think he had that arm. I did not think he could unleash that. So, you know, Darren, you're ripping Malik Willis here. And, the, and you know, and, and the big throw at the end of his pro day. Yeah. But, you know, boom, there's an application where it came in. I got to throw the Hail Mary at the end of the first half. I'm not said that Baker doesn't land somewhere quite yet. That's that's just my, my thought. Like, I, I still think there's a chance he lands somewhere as a starter. Okay. I just, I, but let's go back to – let me ask you this, though. Which team? Who's trading for him? That – you're right. Absolutely. Like, I, I don't know what Cleveland could get. It was a very interesting how Baker asked for a trade and then they said no. And then they got Deshaun Watson. And now it's, well, what are you going to get? So I don't know. You're not going to get anything for him. Right. And I agree. I, again, more importantly, if I am a GM, Baker Mayfield is not so good that I'm thinking to myself, I want to give up a pick and pay this guy $18 million. I would agree. What are you going to do with him? You're not keeping him on your roster. Well, so you're going to either yeah. have to trade him somewhere else and he becomes a free agent in a year and I can get another chance to see him or on another team or you're going to have to cut him. I mean, I, I just – the same thing goes with Garoppolo. Now, the difference with Garoppolo is you could, in theory, keep him on the team. But I don't see how Jimmy Garoppolo, how you're going to pay him $25 million to be your backup. And I don't see how you can justify sending three first-round picks to get Trey Lance and then not play him in year two. Because you're right, the QB carousel has spoken. Washington went with Carson Wentz. Indy now has Matt Ryan. Uh, Atlanta ends up with Marcus Mariota. New Orleans has Jameis Winston. So to your point earlier, who's left? Seattle, Carolina, Pittsburgh, and, and that's really it. And, and, you know, those other teams we just, just cited have, have paid a veteran quarterback, and they're looking for the next quarterback. Well, I was going to say, too, the old – that seems right because when you think about teams with new head coaches, at least off the top of my head, I none stand out to me as places where the coach would want to go a different direction. Like even Miami, right? Like well, Houston. The, right. But those would be the only other teams of who has a new head coach and maybe wants to go a different direction. But I'm not sure any of those even really stand See, out to me. See, if I'm Houston, I am – I'm looking at who the college quarterbacks are next year. That's probably what Atlanta's doing. I mean, 
again, at some point, they're never going to announce it to their fans, but it's like, you know, this this went sideways. We're going to let it go sideways for another year and see if we can start We're again. We're going to do our best with what we've got. I mean, if I'm a Falcons fan, I'm like 20% of our cap is a dead money hit, $40 million plus. And so. to that, the opposite side, I think that's maybe why we've seen the AFC West be so aggressive. I mean, if you're Vegas and you're watching what the other teams in your division are doing, how are you not going to counter that by being aggressive yourself? Well, you in that, in that case, you have to. You have, a, you have enough of a – of a team and they made the playoffs right vegas uh, yep. yeah yeah Raiders made the it. playoffs i mean you you've you've got an argument that you can be there i just that's a meat grinder of a of a division I, you know you would talk about the cardinals having to play that division can you imagine being in you know having to play six games against teams like that i mean it's just I mean, think about it kyler murray is going to go against joy bosa and khalil mack of the chargers he's going to go against chandler and max crosby of the raiders he's going to get randy gregory and bradley chubb when they go to denver and take on the broncos and he's going to get chris jones and frank clark of the kansas city chiefs so uh <laughs> that's uh once again uh, i would not be surprised we get back to the schedule. We get back to that overarching question, what exactly did the Cardinals learn about themselves that they're going to do in their self-help sessions in the offseason? And maybe that is they're going to come off the ball and go straight ahead more than ever before. And some of that has to do with the pass rushers. They've got to mitigate those extreme uh, pressure guys off the edge, and, and that's the best way. Just run it straight at them, as we found out. Now, speaking of Kyler, what do we think the recent – surge in quarterback money is going to do to the Kyler negotiations, especially Deshaun Watson, $230 million, all guaranteed. Matthew Stafford, well over $40 million a year on a multi-year extension. He's already 33 years of age. What does that mean for 24-year-old Kyler Murray? I mean, this you, you know that this happens every year. You know that the longer you wait, the more money you're going to end up having to pay. Is Kyler Murray a $40 million quarterback? I think that's the question the front office is probably trying to answer or figure out or make their decision on. But that's that's where the trend is going. It was a big deal when Dak Prescott got that a few years ago. And, yep. and, now, and now look, that's what? But he's still top five, but he's like fifth most, I think, of like what, what he's making every year. And that's just... That's just how the cookie crumbles is every year, the longer you wait, the more you're going to have to pay your quarterback. I think ultimately um, it's kind of funny. I think Kyler Murray would have made a lot less money had he gotten that extension right when he was demanding it at the opening of Combine. Interesting. Um, The Watson thing is going to be really – I mean, I'm I'm sure there's a bunch of teams going, what the F did you just do, Cleveland? You just totally jacked up the entire market because the guy didn't play last year. And he's got these issues off the field, let's call them. He was not indicted, okay? Uh, I don't really care much about that, to be honest, and I would still not have signed him. But... Um, you've got all these warts on this guy allegedly and he's getting all that. Then it's so easy for me as an agent to say, my guy doesn't do anything wrong. How do you not reward him more than this other dude? With someone who will, there's a chance has an impending actual suspension coming. 
possibly, he, he's, right? He's going to get suspended. Right, so I that, that, that's why I'm agreeing suspended. is, right, as you have a quarterback yes. who hasn't played in a year, the way they set up the contract leads me to believe they know he will be missing games. So you're right. If you're a quarterback who has produced on a consistent level and does not have off-the-field issues. By the issues, way, I got to say something on that, too. I, I got – it was – and I love Patrick Peterson. I really do. Um I was frustrated when it came out that he was mad that the Cardinals wouldn't redo his contract so he wouldn't lose money for a suspension back in the day. That's right. And it, it is mind-blowing to me that these players work it so that they can get suspended and then and, and make sure that the team makes sure that it doesn't cost them any money. That really ticks me off. Yeah, that was that was one of numerous angles on that Browns contract to Deshaun Watson. There was that making his base salary $1 million – in this coming year so any sort of uh, suspension isn't punitive and really damaging financially Uh, the fact they gave him 80 million dollars more than the previous high in terms of guaranteed money in nfl history was the stat i'm looking at here from espn stats and info only three other contracts in nfl history have topped 125 million in guaranteed cash josh allen patrick mahomes dak prescott and he got 230 last time an nfl team surrendered that much first round draft capital to land another player was the one and only Herschel Walker trade, 1989. So it was every facet of that transaction, what Cleveland did to get Deshaun Watson. I'm guessing the Haslam's walk into that owner's meeting in Florida here by the weekend, and Andrew Barry, the GM, and they're going to get the side eye from a lot of other NFL owners, and they might get the cold shoulder in, in that meeting. So now the question once again comes around, what does that mean for Kyler Murray in those negotiations? Uh, has Russell Wilson redone his deal yet? Have we no? Does so not have an extension. I'm wondering what is the next contract to drop, if you will, that might reset the market. Well, to me, Russell Wilson's is not gonna reset the market because of his age. I mean, Deshaun Watson is still whatever he is, 26 or 25 or whatever he is. So he's got a number of years left. I mean, I'm not the the main reason. Seattle ultimately wanted to trade Russell Wilson was because they didn't want to give him a gigantic contract extension. I don't think he's getting that from Denver. I could be dead wrong. But what what's Russell Wilson going to do now? I mean, his leverage is now kind of gone. I mean, he can't go James Harden and say, well, now, Denver, you got to trade me too because you won't. Unless they had some sort of agreement, Darren, right? I mean, he did have to wave a no-trade clause, right? Yeah, and that's true, and and maybe they do. And I guess it'll be interesting to, to see how that turns out. But. And then there's Lamar Jackson, who's been representing himself and still doesn't have that's a deal done. That's still the crazy one out it, there. It is. It is. And a lot of people think that he is willingly going to just play for the tag. And how far is Josh Allen out? No, he already signed his extension last year. It just ha- It's still about to kick in. Same with Patrick Mahomes. Right, right. I remember Mahomes. So, Justin Herbert, though, yep. is coming yep. quickly. Here's And Burrow. This was posted this morning. As of a recording, it's the Monday morning, Monday afternoon quarterback, Albert Breer. And I'm just going to quote the blurb he had because he touted it. The latest in the Kyler Murray situation, here's what Albert Breer wrote. It will be fascinating to see what this does to Kyler Murray's strategy in dealing with the Cardinals, meaning the new quarterback contracts. His camp wants a new deal before the draft and is willing to demand a trade if there's not movement towards one between now and then. A big reason a big reason why is because post-draft, teams usually have their quarterback plans squared away, which would make finding a solid landing spot difficult. 
But as it stands now, adds Breer, those sorts of opportunities are already drying up. We'll see if that creates more urgency on Murray's part to get a resolution with a team that with teams that usually have the quarterback plan squared away, et cetera. So in terms of the timing, is it already too late if you're Team Kyler? I mean, what is your alternative? Where would you get traded right now at this point? I guess you could theoretically get traded to – I mean, if you're going to demand a trade, as Breer speculates, where? Well, those teams we've mentioned, are you, you don't think any of them would want Kyler? I would disagree with do that. Do a deal with the Steelers is what you're saying. Do a deal with Carolina. You're not going to trade them within the division. Right. Seattle's out. Seattle's out. Um, maybe Houston. Maybe Pittsburgh. I, I don't I don't think they'd want to put them in the NFC at all, so I don't think Carolina is an option. So then you're talking about Houston and Pittsburgh. And then you're like, who? what, what am I getting from Houston and Pittsburgh? I mean, I don't. How about those three first-round picks? that just went to Houston and returned for Deshaun Watson. Who's your quarterback? I don't I don't have that answer. I'm just saying this for hypothetically because I'm just going to stay for the right. Kyler Murray's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Now, I I'm not, I can't I can't predict the future like in 2024. But I'm willing to wager even though I don't wager cuz it's not legal. <laughs> Calvin Ridley. Um I, I, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. I mean, they can ask for a trade, but why? I don't understand what the Cardinals would get out of trading him. I understand why he would want one. I understand why he would be frustrated. I don't understand why they would want to. The only reason I can think of in terms of why, why would the Cardinals trade Kyler Murray is if they believe their last impression is a lasting impression that the game he put up against the Rams for some reason is going to be the norm, that some reason that wasn't an outlier. If that's true, you already would have had him on the trading block. Good point. Unless, at this point, that was nerve-wracking, nerve-rattling enough that they're going to ride this out. That, guess what, Um, we're going to withstand the noise from your agent. I know it's going to be furious and it's going to be uncomfortable, and it, but you know what? You're going to play this year for your five million plus. You're or no, eleven million plus yeah. this year. You're going to play next year for nearly thirty million on the fifth year. We're going to pick up that option by May, and if we have to, we'll tag you. That's three more years under our control, well, and, I mean, they, and have, they ride it out. They have those options, but again, whether that's a thought process or not, which I don't know, that has you know you're not getting you, the, what then the trade has nothing to do with anything. I mean, it's just. So there you go. That's just the what we get. So, And I'm surmising that Albert Breer is talking to was Team that, Kyler and his agent. Was that this week? That's that not... was posted today. Okay. That was posted today, and that's, that's a direct quote. So uh, once again, I'm not sure. I guess now look at it from the Cardinal side. What is the impetus to get a deal done by the draft? Is there? other than to appease your franchise quarterback and, okay, you know what, we are, we do have a long-term future together and, and, and a lot of people read into a long-term contract for Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime that they are a package deal like Kingsbury literally said to Pat McAfee that, you know, we banked our careers on this young quarterback, so we view ourselves as a package deal. Okay, so maybe it's just – and once again, and I've cited this before on Cardinals Underground, how the other six deals were all done in June, July, August, and September. 
So you're accelerating the timeline to get one of these deals done after year three. That's how I felt when when Kyler's agent put that statement out right before the combine in, in February. It felt, to me at least, from the history of these, felt early. But I, I would think the timing is if you're trying to get the importance of getting a deal done before the draft, the only quarterback we've mentioned of something that might affect the way you would work around Kyler's contract to an extent would be Lamar Jackson. I don't even know if you're necessarily rushing against the draft, maybe before if he's going to get a deal. Yeah. And, and that's why I asked about the Russell Wilson, because I'm wondering, yeah, what else is out there that could harm your negotiating power and your leverage Who, as the team? Uh, uh, as the team? As the team. Like, why? what would be the catalyst for them to do, get a deal done now versus late in the summer? Honestly, at this point, I don't know if there is such a thing just because we've had so many quarterback deals all of a sudden. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford. and I The mean, market's just, already been reset. Uh, it's already, I mean, we already kind of knew what the ballpark was going to be for yeah. the, these, these contracts anyways. I mean, I, I really, I mean, is any of this that surprising? And once again, once the new media rights money and those revenues enter into the equation, two years from now, the salary cap's going to be closer to $300 million than $200 million. So as ridiculous as it might sound, $40 million a year for a quarterback could be well bought two years from now based on where things might be going. So, uh, yeah, that's what I was saying with Dak. When he, it was a big deal when he signed, and now now look what these quarterbacks are making. And also the carousel of all these uh, announcers. <laughs> right. right. Look, the reality on the quarterback yeah. contracts are that you either have a good one that you're paying an obscene amount of money to or you are in a quarterback ditch there is no in between anymore there just isn't it's just black and white there's no gray there in Aaron's no world. Gray. Yeah. you think there's a gray with quarterbacks well i don't know about gray but i think there are teams who have really good quarterbacks who maybe aren't great and they're just good enough to kind of get them into the playoffs on a consistent no, no, I'm basis not, i'm not saying there aren't okay there's a difference between having a, a quarterback that is going to win you a Super Bowl and a quarterback that – I'm what I'm saying is is if your quarterback is any good, you have to pay them. Yeah, 1,000%. That's it. That's end of story. That, that's what it's become. Or, yes. you're, or you're in a quarterback ditch. Now, yeah. I'm not even talking about what you might do in the playoffs. I mean, hell, Aaron Rodgers has not been to a Super Bowl in a decade and – they get mad at him for flaming out in the in the in the playoffs, and I understand that to a certain extent. But Aaron Rodgers is—are we all going to say Aaron Rodgers is, isn't one of the top ten quarterbacks of all time? I'm pretty sure he is. So, what are we talking about here? I, I agree that that's the way it's it's trending. Is every year you you're going to have to pay? You these... sound upset about this, though, Danny. I'm not upset you about. You look upset about. It. <laughs> <laughs> is this a Dak thing? I'm just upset no. that you are nice and tan, and I am not yet. Let me ask you this: Do you think the days? of a Brad Johnson or a Trent Dilfer, dare I say a Kurt Warner at the end of his career with a new team, one of the a Rich Gannon, right, leading a team to a Super Bowl. Do you think those days are over? To your point, Darren, it's either the haves or the have-nots. Either you have the marquee, obscenely paid quarterback or you have nothing. 
But do you think one of those middle ground type QBs like see I Kurt would, Warner wasn't middle ground by the end? Do you well, think? in terms of his salary though, in terms of his salary and, and what he accounted for yeah, in the cap, and I think he. He was willing to play for a little less. We all know that <laughs> there were some yeah, circumstances. He Even here, Tom right? Brady right now is playing for a lot less than he could command. No, no yeah, question yeah. about that. I guess that's just my point. I mean, could you get a team in this day and age with just such a dominant defense and maybe a run game that you truly could win a Super Bowl with a game manager, a See, quarterback? I knew that Paul really wished he could just with uh, uh, rest in peace, John Clayton. He's going to just go take over for John Clayton as a Seahawks sideline reporter. <laughs> Run and game and defense. Pete Carroll yeah. will love him to that's right. death. That's right. Coach Double Rainbow and me, that's just a reunion that's waiting to happen right why there. Do you, why that's would tough. you think a run game and a defense is going to win you a Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking well, Paul Calvisi it, it, right it, now. It's got to be a once-in-a-generation defense. It's got to be the Ravens defense of 2000. Those are it's easy gotta to be, come by. It's got to be the Bears defense at 85 okay, with Jim see, I'm, I'm not I mean, even... It's got to be a once-in-a-generation defense, but I think you can still win a Super Bowl with that formula. I think Now, it's not going to happen once every two decades, but I think it is feasible, plausible, doable. Still. I, I, I like that idea, but how are you going to say it, it's not going to happen every two decades, but say that it's plausible? <laughs> it, it's out there. Uh, I'm going to disagree because I say even in the 2000 Ravens season, the rules are so much different than they were just in 2000 in terms of what they let yep. offenses get away with and how they call the game and how they do things, no way. That is a valid point. That is a valid point. I, I won't cling to my argument to the point where there I won't is, acknowledge there is that. no is, longer is a, a team point. that is going to go without an offensive touchdown for five straight games and win a I'm Super I'm sorry, Bowl. Paul. Normally you know I like <laughs> no. to defend you against Darren, yeah. but I, I got to side with him on this one. <laughs> I really look, need a nap. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so we'll let Darren go with this news. That and, and, and look, if you're a player, this is the kind of stuff you cite. There was also a memo that came out today. Did you see this, an NFL League memo, that now teams are, are granted limited permission to seek blockchain sponsorships and allow blockchain advertising, i.e., uh, you know, cryptocurrency, you know, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, whatever, Ethereum, uh, NFT partnerships, so I'm just throwing you that out like there. like you know what you're talking about. Well, I, I follow this a little bit. I, I have no idea what the hell is. I just bring this up uh, for two reasons. One, it's going to be yet another considerable revenue stream for the NFL, just like sports gambling was last year and will continue to be and will grow exponentially. So this is what the players are talking about when they demand these sort of contracts because they look at the sort of revenue the NFL is generating. Also, I bring it up because I would say five years from now, ten years from now, although, Darren, you might have already retired early. We know how you have invested on the side in your 401K. But for Danny, prepare for the day in the 18-34 to 34 demo. Yes, I worked it into another Cardinals underground where you will be paid in cryptocurrency at some point. That's Not my Pauly happen. prediction for you. At some point, like OBJ did this year with the Rams, Danny Sarek will be taking her Cardinals salary and Bitcoin at some point. That means somebody is going to have to explain Bitcoin enough for me to understand, which is a tall order. I've got a couple articles I can send you, and I'm sure I will offend somebody who's listening right now, but i got a couple articles that I I think they explained them to me just fine, and I'll take a pass. Uh, Darren Darren will sell you some Bitcoin right after after we're done. With this edition, he's shaking his head no, just for the record here, on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.